Carly Clark is the head coach of Ryerson University's women's basketball program, a role she's held since 2012. In the 2015-2016 season, she guided them to a Canadian National Championship final, the first national title game the school had ever appeared in in any sport. Carly's also an assistant coach of Canada's senior women's national team and has guided multiple age group national teams to medal performances at FIBA tournaments. As you're about to hear, Carly is a deep thinker, avid reader, and is always open to new ideas and concepts. She's someone that I turn to whenever I need advice on coaching and leadership. I'm Cody Royal, and this is Where Others Won't. Carly Clark, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Long overdue. We've had plenty of coffee meetings, but uh, yeah, long overdue to get on the microphone together. So um, really appreciate your time. Let's talk about your origin story in coaching. I like asking this, particularly of head coaches. Growing up, we're kind of always aspiring to, you know, leadership positions, CEOs, and I think that's more to do with, you know, cachet and, and money and everything. But in sports coaching, <laughs> the money sometimes isn't there. So there's, there's generally got to be something else. There's, there's, there's that catalyst moment where you're like, this is really interesting to me. What was that like for you? What was, is there a defining moment or was it a cumulative effect or where did the, the spark come from to get into coaching? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a mixed mixed thing for me, really. Um, I played basketball growing up, started in grade three and, and played it until I finished university and um, loved the experience that I had. My best friends to this day are our former teammates and and the memories and life experiences that I I had as a player have been pivotal and, you know, I would say driving some values and beliefs and uh, who I am today. So, you know, that's, that as a player was a big part for me growing up. And, um, through that, I always had a bit of a, well, certainly a passion and love for the game, but also a mind for the game. Mm -hmm. And from there was given, you know, a couple opportunities to start assistant coaching while I was still playing. And, and that probably, uh, you know, turned a spark into a little bit more of a fire and, you know, just continued to follow some opportunities, continued to learn and grow and tried to make the most of every opportunity. And, and obviously now I'm in, in a very fortunate situation, but uh, had lots of experiences along the way to get there. And so let's talk about that head coaching role. So you're the head coach of Rice and women's basketball. Fantastic program, you know, right in the heart of downtown Toronto. But, you know, thinking back to, been given that opportunity hour one day one when you kind of <laughs> sit down and, and reconsider like there's there's being a, an assistant coach or a playing assistant coach and then there's being the head coach but what was that yeah hour one day one kind of feeling like for you when you sat back and realized you know shit this is <laughs> this is it now yeah well I think um you know 
diving into some of the experiences that led up to the opportunity before that. Um, you know, I, I worked with some provincial teams in Nova Scotia and PEI and um, some development programs. So I had some some head coaching opportunities in different settings with, with clubs, provincial teams, and so on, uh, just to gain some experience. And, and I actually started as a head coach first at the University of Prince Edward Island, where I spent three seasons there before I came to Ryerson. And uh, at UP, when I was hired at UPEI, I was I was 26, and um, certainly when I got to some got to Ryerson, there was some aha moments and and some oh shit moments uh, <laughs> to uh, to the transition. Uh, but you know, I would consider UPEI my first real experience of of being a full time head coach and uh, that being my paid position. So for me. I think I was soaking it all up. I was trying to figure out what to do first. And I'm not sure I would be able to answer that question now because there's so many different angles and things you have to take on. But I tried to get better every day, learn every day, and and surround myself with people that could could help me through that process and, uh, and make sure that our, our student athletes were having a positive experience along the journey um, as I was learning it as well. And, and most of the things I experienced at, at UPEI really helped pave the way and lay a foundation for me to uh, build a successful program at Ryerson. Yeah, you raise a good point there. A lot of it, I think, comes down to surrounding yourself with the right people, doesn't it? And, you know, people that, that have had experience, whether it's in your conference or with bigger programs or whatever the scenario is, you know, there's that kind of humility around I'm going to need some help in these areas. And so, you know, for me, for instance, like if you were to ask me who I lean on the most, it's without doubt my team manager, like something that I'm not good at is detail, like itinerary detail. I'd say I'm a fairly detailed coach in terms of the X's and O's, but a lot of the other stuff you need to deal with decision-making around yeah, those detailed things that, that a coach has to be involved in. You know, I've been lucky that I have a, an amazing team manager that's super detailed. Who do you lean on with, with the things that you're not so good at? Yeah, I would say that that has evolved over time for me. Mm. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate to have a full-time assistant coach in our program at Ryerson now, who's a great compliment uh, has a great complement of skills, uh, different than mine, uh, but we mesh very well. Uh, myself, I'm a little bit more introverted naturally. Uh, not to say that I don't coach with passion and, and fire, uh, but my personality is far more introverted, whereas uh, she's more outgoing, more vibrant, um, naturally energetic. Um, you know, so that that's an area that that's a great compliment to me that that brings energy to our environment and connects very well effortlessly with our, with our athletes, uh, which I think is an incredibly important piece of, of building a strong team and program and uh, with great connectedness. And then we work very well together on, uh, on technical items, on planning items. Um, so that's certainly unique to, to our Ryerson situation. And, um, like I said, a great compliment to, to the skills as I'm 
different than you. I am very detailed and, and plan well, well in advance and am, am quite organized from that perspective. And so her compliment to me is, is very welcome. That's part of the process that, that I've been learning as well is, is trying to accumulate all of those varied skills and, and put them around me, but around our players and our coaches as well. So that we, we have a kind of a holistic environment, um, which is something that I couldn't say that I really anticipated. I would have said from a coaching perspective, you know, early on, that it was just getting the smartest people in the room. But I, the more and more I experience, I think I've more lent towards like cherry picking a vast array of different skill sets and expertise and then bringing them all into the room so that we can cater to all different types of people and learning styles and, and introverted people, extroverted people, timely people, untimely people. So yeah, I'd say that's been one of the, the real learnings for me, particularly in, in the environment that I'm in where, you know, we are kind of isolated in that our sport isn't even played professionally in, <laughs> in the country. So now speaking of that, you know, I know you're an avid learner, avid reader. You posted a, a picture of all the books that you've read in this off season. So what interesting ideas have you picked up over this last off season that, that you're going to try and weave into your style and, and you know, the skills that you're going to add to your coaching toolbox? Yeah, I think that's a loaded question. I'm always trying to, to pare things down and, and figure, figure out exactly what fits our environment and, and my style. And, and I think, you know, in coaching, that's one of the most important things that I've learned is uh, I've had and continue to have the opportunity to read, obviously, but learn, observe, connect with a lot of different coaches. And, and as you're building your philosophy and your plan, you need to figure out what fits you and not just take something you liked from someone else and implement it. It doesn't always work that easily. Um, so be able to, to pare things down and pick what fits and not just do everything that you see in your environment. It doesn't always work that easily, but certainly uh, some things that stood out for me this summer. I've, I've came across this in a number of books, but trying to focus on the strengths of your people, um, whether it's your staff or whether it's your athletes, um, but really try and hone in on, on the things that, that they're great at, that they actively look forward to doing um, that feel easy for them. And um, I think as a coach, we always try and give, give feedback. Um, but I'm trying to be far more con conscious of not just saying good job, but trying to be very specific in that positive feedback. I think it's quite easy when uh, critiquing or providing negative feedback to to drill down to exactly what the player should have done um, or what they didn't do. But the positive side of things that tends to be a little bit more general and just nice job, well done, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And I think the more that you can really specify what exactly the player is doing well and you know, give them space and confidence to recognize like, okay, that's something I'm doing well. I need to keep doing that and, and build their roles and, and expectations around, around the strengths. And obviously you want to continue to, to build up and grow weaknesses 
Um, but I think in, in sport, we often, you know, focus on that side too much. So really trying to hone in on the, the strength side of things. And then the second coaching piece that I would say I'm really trying to apply is uh, the use of questions. And, uh, you know, both from a learning perspective uh, for the athlete, I think when they have to answer a question, it leads to deeper reflection rather than always being instructed and corrected and told what to do. Um, and it can also provide learning from a coach or for the coach, you know, as simple as asking, what did you see there? What did you experience? Uh, that can get some really valuable sharing from the athlete that can help you as a coach too. Love that. I'm working on both of those too. So I'm definitely picking up what you're putting down there and especially around the strengths. And again, I, I think I kind of misjudged even how much each player actually recognized their own strengths. Like I know as humans, we're not particularly good at recognizing our strengths in general. Whereas, you know, a third party tends to be, what do you expect there? Because I think there's an education piece as in going back to the player and saying, I think you're elite at this one thing, free throws or whatever it may be. You know, do you, do you think there's an education piece there as well? Absolutely. I think there's, um, you know, that's a, a great conversation to initiate through questions first and, and giving the athlete the opportunity to, to share what they believe their strengths to be. And then, uh, you know, coach can follow up and then you can close the gap through some of those conversations. You know, I think that's constantly an ongoing thing and, and probably the frequency of those conversations is as important as, as, you know, one really deep quality one. I mean, the quality is important, but to, to frequently have those conversations and check in and remind and, and again, get their feedback and thoughts on their strengths is, is a huge part for them to continue to feel one valued and, and feel like they're, progressing and, and have clarity on what's expected. One of the reasons I love picking your brain, Carly, is that you're in such a unique situation in that you get to work in a club environment and a national environment at the same time. You see so many different challenges and issues and opportunities in, in both of those environments. Like from a coaching perspective, as you're doing both, you know, going from training you know, weekly to training, you know, in, in more camp environments and, and having players have coaching input from other coaches and then coming into a national environment. How do you analyze and assess all those different challenges from a, a coaching perspective, you know, while you're doing it at the same time? Yeah, that's a great question. They're obviously very, very different environments. Um, you know, with, uh, at, at Ryerson, we're a university team. So like first and foremost, they're student athletes as opposed to professional players or strictly athletes at that point in their career, like they are with the national team. So the student aspect of it completely changes the environment. Um, but also the bigger piece being the length of the season. So mm -hmm. when you have a, a club or a university team and your season is from September to March, uh, you have, an incredible amount of time to build relationships, to establish team culture, to 
build your system and really create great habits over time and um, spend time on refining things technically and tactically um, throughout a long competition period. Whereas in the national team uh, setting, you might have a week to train, maximum two weeks to train before you're in a major competition, which is 10 days long. So you're trying to squeeze all of those culture elements, habits, technical, tactical, leadership, uh, every aspect of a team into a very short window. So, you know, maximizing that time together is, is critical and, and having a really clear plan in both environments is, is really important. And, and I take lessons from both settings and apply them to each other for that. Um, and then trying to manage both at the same time is, is a really fun dynamic, but there's constant learning going back and forth between, between both settings. Yeah, I think those elements really go under talked about in particularly the even just North American sports in general. You know, a lot of the, the hidden elements of the professional basketball leagues, you know, the time zone differences and the travel. And yes, it, it sounds easy when you just go on a road trip and you're kind of, you know, we talk about a West Coast swing or an East Coast swing or whatever it is, but the, the, the small elements still involved in all of that. I think we don't talk about that enough. Like how we, how we, from a performance perspective, how you get athletes to perform in what might be a three hour time zone change. You know, Premier League players don't, don't have that from week to week. Um, and, and all the different sports, Australia has it a little bit with the AFL in my sport, you know, teams going to Perth from Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane, but yeah, there's so many little dynamics that I think go underappreciated and, and we can easily forget about that are just challenges that exist that we need to address in some way, shape or form as we're uh, you know, trying to build these, these teams and these cultures. No question. I think, you know, that's where planning becomes such an important piece that if you really look ahead and, and are aware of what, what you're going to face as the travel, for an example, you can, you can, begin to adjust your schedules because we don't always have the luxury to, to travel somewhere well in advance to be able to adjust to the time zones. So is there, you know, sports science help to support, you know, some of those changes in advance and, and help best prepare athletes for performance. Um, you know, very few at, at the highest level, very few details go unthought of or unplanned. And obviously as, as you're executing a plan, there's always uh, moments of change and adaptation and, and different challenges that you'll run into that are unplanned for. But I think the better plan you have in place, the, the more prepared you'll be to, to adapt and react to, to the challenges that you do run into. The one for me with our guys going to Australia that I always bring up is the tomatoes taste different. That's kind of my... <laughs> That's a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they do. They, the tomatoes taste different. So, you know, you're trying to prepare people for every possible scenario, and that, that's the one that I like to bring up the most often. No question. And, you know, food next to sleep, food is so critical for performance. So, um, you know, to I think when you travel anywhere in the world, you're going to have some different menus that you have to contend with. And, um, you know, there's a story that we tell with our national team athletes that, one of our former Olympians who's now retired 
would would say to the team, it's our job to eat. So you don't always get uh, your first choice or your favorite meal when you're traveling around the world. You have to adapt to some different menus and different tomatoes tasting. Uh, (laughs) But that's such a critical piece to, uh, to be able to perform at a high level. That's a good segue, actually, because I wanted to talk about, you know, in your experience in basketball in general, just as kind of a, an overall commentary, like what would you say has been the biggest change that you've observed as a, as a player and as a coach over the last, you know, 20, 30 years in, in your sport? Like obviously it's all changed, but you've got sports science and you've got data and you've got, you know, fan experience and media and all these different elements of the game. But like, what would you say has been the, the biggest change in that environment? Well, I think in basketball, what's been so interesting is there's been constant rule changes. So that has kept the game quite dynamic and has led to lots of adjustments. Almost every other year, there's a little wrinkle in a rule. But over time, that has, has changed a lot. Uh, the world now is on nearly all on the same set of rules, which is, I think, great for our sport. NCAA being one of the exceptions and the NBA having a few wrinkles to the rules, but aside of that, the rest of the world play the same rules, which is, which is great for, you know, development and consistency and understanding. Um, But that's, that's just led to uh, style of play changes and shifts in, in player strengths and, and how the game is played. Uh, But I think beyond that, the, the biggest thing is the availability of video, which I think every sport is experiencing. You know, it's not on a VHS tape that coaches have to sit and dub anymore. You can instantly have a video clip, you know, in the middle of a game on your bench if you have the right technology, uh, which can be tremendous for, you know, uh, adjustments or player feedback or coach feedback. Um, and then the analytics piece as well, the amount of, data and statistics available to evaluate your performance, prioritize what you want to train in practice and and focus on improving, Um, you know, just the sheer amount of data to be able to sift through and figure out what actually applies to your program, to your team, you know, it might be that season, it might be that week. You know, there's just so much information available to you that as a coach, you have to sift through and you can never use it all, but you have to figure out what's important and and what's going to impact your performance. Yeah, I remember Mike Lombardi, who has been in the the NFL for 30 or 40 years and worked with the the Patriots and I had him on the show and (laughs) I remember him telling me, you know, it wasn't too long ago that if you wanted to scout a player, you had to drive to the school and the school would have the VHS, the VHS tapes of their games and you had to sit in their room and watch the video. And <laughs> so it's like, you know, if you had, if you were scouting the quarterback at Texas A&M, you'd drive down there and, and watch their video and make your notes and then off to the next one. Again, you know, even in my sport, Aussie rules has just gone bananas and, and um, it's opened up all sorts of, avenues and experiences and, and access to players that we just couldn't have imagined even not so long ago. Absolutely. And, you know, along that point in 
I receive players from around the world sending film that are interested in attending our university, uh, which would, you know, have always been challenging. And then the ability to monitor and follow from a national team perspective, our athletes who are playing around the world. Um, you know, we have athletes in France, Australia, Asia that, you know, if the, the time change is right, or if I'm awake, I can watch a live stream of, of them playing, which, which wouldn't have been the case obviously years ago. So the ability to monitor and keep in touch and, and maintain those touch points throughout the course of a year can, can help tremendously. When you were talking about, you know, data and then the amount of data and making sure it's right for you. And uh, I was kind of thinking of just the overwhelming amount of things that you need to consider. And from a personal development perspective, you know, knowing that you kind of have to set the behaviors for your players as well in terms of taking care of yourself. You know, what do you do when you're overwhelmed or unfocused or you know that something's off? You know, what, how do you get yourself recentered or, or back in the game mentally or whatever you need to do so that you can to make sure that you're, coach, you're coaching your coaches in the, the right way and the best possible way for you? Right, yeah. I think um, there's a couple different scenarios or reasons that those types of things might ar- arise for a coach or for me personally anyway. You know, as, as a, a coach, you're managing so many different aspects from players to staff to planning to practice planning to logistical planning to strength and conditioning. I'm just listing off some things and the list could go on forever. But as you're, you're trying to sort through what to prioritize, all of that can become overwhelming very quickly, you know, in, in just the day-to-day setting. And, and for me, I just try and sit back and, and – figure out what's important now. And, and when I just stop for a second and, and prioritize, I'm usually able to, to sort that out. And, you know, bigger picture, it might not just be a second that you sit back, but taking the time to not just dive in, but, but figure out what the priority is. And usually it will relate to the players in some capacity. That's usually what I fall back on. And then in the game, I mean, those moments happen all the time. You most commonly see them happen to to our players on the floor, you know, and we see it with professional athletes all the time where they react emotionally or there's a mistake response or bad body language. Uh, but I believe those moments happen with coaches and their mental performance just as much as with, with players. So I've worked hard both with um, some self-talk to – to help me focus and stay in moments, uh, you know, overwhelming moments are caused, you know, in pressure moments, uh, referees, bad calls, different things like that. So I have some self-talk mechanisms to, to get me back in the moment. And I'm a big, uh, believer in centered breathing. So I'll often, mm-hmm. I, I stand a lot when I coach a lot of basketball coaches stand, but you do have the option to sit in our sport. And I'll usually sit and do some centered breathing and, again, get back to what's important now and, and try and stay in the present moment. It's a big one, isn't it? Just that uh, it certainly takes a lot of practice, but if you can get it down to you know, a couple of seconds, just a couple of breaths, that has helped me tremendously as well. Just that ability to refocus, recenter yourself and, okay, yeah, what's next? it's not something that's necessarily natural to coaches. You've kind of always thinking you've got to be on and in the middle of things and almost 
kind of frantic, you know, particularly in games. But yeah, those couple of quick breaths. Okay, what's next? Um, can just have such a, a huge impact on the whole aura of team and and what you're going through as well, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the players are always watching. Whether you're speaking, whether you're standing, you're, the players are always watching and reacting to what you're doing. And I think as a coach, you you always have an impact because of that. So being in control and, and modeling the behavior you'd like to see is such an important thing. Speaking of that modeling, from a coaching perspective, you know, we're all kind of this amalgamation of all the ideas and our predecessors. Who do you look to? whether it's from within your sport or coaching in general or leadership or, you know, management thinkers or wherever those influences come from. But, you know, who do you like to learn from to, to better yourself? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. That's a huge question. I think it's, you know, pretty diverse and I alluded to having some, some great mentors that um, have had incredibly successful careers in Canadian basketball coaching from Kathy Shields, who is one of the winningest coaches in, in Canadian university basketball, Dallas and McNeil to some colleagues. Uh, But then, then beyond that, I do a lot of, a lot of reading as we've talked about. And uh, John Wooden is certainly, uh, you know, uh, a coach that matches my philosophy and, and probably somebody who has helped, drive my philosophy based on what I've read about his approach to coaching and fortunate that there's a ton of books out there that uh, have John Wooden content and, and a lot, uh, you know, that he's written himself and then lots of college coaches, you know, fortunately we've got lots of available uh, content from them uh, in the NCAA and, but I, I like to diversify and, and connect with high performance people in different environments and, and try and be innovative and, and bring new ideas to, to our basketball environment. Yeah, me too. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot and I, I think the, the culmination or the, the amalgamation of all different ideas and, and trying to adapt them to what I've been doing. And again, you know, I come from a unique circumstance in the sport that I'm coaching, but it's almost like that my influences have become more so from outside the game themselves, like having conversations with you and, and I pinch tactics off you and, <laughs> and, uh, and you try to adapt them. And, and I've become really just more and more fascinated with that idea of where ideas can come from. And you often hear that, you know, I've heard Bill Belichick say he, he reads a lot about war and things like that. And I just think there's so many learning opportunities in general from all different types of, domains that maybe we overlook um, particularly in sport we tend to stick to you know other sport coaches but uh, I think it's a great way to innovate as well absolutely I think there's some great research right now especially in in business um, you know our team at Ryerson has taken some some research from from Google and and what they've done around team effectiveness and and tried to create some sessions that also transfer to the court around enhancing team effectiveness and psychological safety and dependability and communication are, are all different things that have come out of that, that um, I think can be uniquely imply, applied to, 
to sport environments. And, you know, I know the business world takes a lot from sport and I think there's, there's lots of two way opportunities there. In your sport, who are you keeping an eye on? So I've talked about, you know, the influential figures in basketball, who are some up and coming coaches that you're interested in? They might be just young. They might have new ideas. Is there anyone that you're kind of keeping an eye on being like this, this person, there's something there. They've got something. I think what I'm most excited about in, in basketball right now is uh, the number of women that have been hired in the NBA. And uh, it's, it's exciting to see a bit of that transition. There's been a couple of, of women that have paved the way in Becky Hammond, but just this summer, Neil Ivy, Lindsay Gottlieb have been hired by, by NBA teams who have been incredibly successful women's NCAA coaches. I'm really intrigued by, by their pathway and a number of other women that are in similar positions and to, to follow their journey as they embark on something new. Um, you know, so those aren't things that are exciting technical or tactic things, but you know, seeing women in new environments and what they do with that is probably the the thing that I have on have my eye on the most. Beyond that, I'm trying to expand into some different sports and even less into to young coaches, but more into how the research around learning that is becoming quite quite prominent. And um, you know, in our sport, we've typically done a lot of teaching. I call it on air without any defense, where the majority of our sport is with defense uh, so there's a lot of research on on retention and learning and um, how to best best teach so that our athletes learn so again trying to diversify in some different ways out of the traditional norms we'll need to talk more about that because I <laughs> I've stripped I've almost stripped uh, any anything that's not game specific out of our training, and yeah, I've I've been through that loop as well. It's absolutely fascinating, and we I mean we have the same thing. We both play invasion games, and I remember doing some reading about that not so long ago, and it is fascinating from the learning perspective, but then also just the what we're spending our time doing at training, and the the relevance to it, and. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll take that one off there because I want <laughs> I want to talk right. to you about that. Perfect. Uh, but uh, do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm most excited about from the the women's coaching perspective? Is you know you talked about the influence of John Wooden and and the, the amount of content you can have around him from his books and you know someone that I repeatedly go back to from a football perspective is Bill Walsh, but I'm looking forward to the content from these female coaches and to, to get their perspectives because it's still incredibly hard to track down. There doesn't tend to be, you know, there's no kind of autobiographies and, you know, basketball Bibles from people maybe outside of a Pat summit or someone like that. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting the videos, getting the books, from this wave of extraordinary female coaches coming through on, on both sides of the, the, the gender of, of their sport. Um, it's going to be absolutely fascinating and it is a much needed part of the collective knowledge from the coaches. No question. And you mentioned Pat summit and I, 
I should speak to her as well because alongside John Wooden, she would be the the other coach that uh, has helped me build a framework when I started coaching. And that she was her book was the first basketball or coaching book that I've ever read, and fortunate to have a signed copy from her. And unfortunately, she's no longer with us, so we can't keep learning. But there's some great content out there from her, no question. Carly, so when people want to follow along with Ryerson, Team Canada, and yourself, where can they find you and all of your team activities and scores and uh, how do they follow along? Twitter is probably the best place for for all of that content. Um, So I'm on Twitter at Carly underscore Clark. Um, We also have uh, a Ryerson Rams WBB Twitter account to get all the inside content on, on what's happening with our university program and, and following Canada basketball uh, for our journey over the next year as we work towards qualifying for the Olympics would be a great follow as well because we've got some exciting times ahead in the next few months. Really glad we could have this chat. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, let's do this again sometime. That would be great. Always love uh, chatting with you and happy to be a part of it. Awesome. Thanks, Colin.